Welcome to the 12th in a series of special podcasts presented by the Union County, Ohio Drug-Free Coalition. I'm Pete Emmons, your host. The topic today is all about teen vaping. Our expert panel includes Sean Seck, Director of Health Promotion and Planning at the Union County, Ohio Health Department. Nicole, who is a parent and social worker and is parent of a teen who has participated in vaping. Ken Chafin, principal of the Marysville, Ohio STEM Early College High School. Welcome to the show, everybody, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to really help us shed more light on this continuing evolving health issue. Now, a few months ago, we did have one show on vaping, but the issue continues to come to the forefront, and there have been several recent events uh, here in Union County where teens have used vaping, and they've become sick, some nauseous, some even have passed out. And because of these incidents and because of the continuing evolving nature of this issue, uh, we decided it was very important to continue our conversation. Uh, The Union County Drug-Free Coalition in 2018 did a risk behavior survey and indicated that since 2016, there'd been a 46% increase in vaping usage. So we want to really start with looking at What's the reason? How, why is this happening, Sean? Why are some of the students, uh, some of the incidents I know are, are, are new, uh, new information just coming out? But at this point, what can you tell us about what's going on? So what we know about vaping devices themselves is just understanding 99% of them have nicotine in them. Um, when we talk about kids getting sick from using a device, a lot of that is related to the nicotine, which is the addictive component in the vaping devices themselves. We do know that there's such a thing called nicotine poisoning, which actually could result in anyone, child or adult, basically ingesting too much nicotine into their system, either through vaping devices or actually drinking the liquid, um, which would cause them to get ill. You can have Queasiness, stomach, upset stomach, you could have some dizzying effects, some confusion, some weakness, fatigue. Those symptoms also can last anywhere from 15 to 24 hours after the ingestion of the nicotine itself. Now, there's a lot of reasons as to what the attraction of vaping is. Speak to us about a few of those core reasons that seem to be coming to the forefront. Is it the attraction of the flavors? Was that one reason? So the flavors definitely, when you look at the branding and the marketing of these devices, you have to look at the flavorings and really look at what adult really wants to suck on something that's cotton candy flavor or strawberry flavor. There's definitely a marketing component to kids, and that's why you see thousands of different flavors that are out there, and most of them are of that sweet nature, like the cotton candy, birthday cake flavors, you name it, they have it for vaping devices. Um, We do know even when you look at products like Juul, their whole marketing campaign was, how can I get a vape device that would ingest without burning, without having any of those coughing or any of those things that we go are adverse to wanting to take a hit on the vaping device. Juul did an excellent job of coming up with a salt solution that actually makes it a clean ingestion, no burning, no adverse respect when you're taking that first puff off of the device. The flavorings, they're all chemically based. I mean, they're, they're based on the same thing that we would see in popcorn. It's that flavor oil that they put into those. And we're talking cantaloupe, cotton candy, birthday cake, strawberry, all of those. They're marketed to kids um, to use the devices, not to adults. There's a lot of potential effects, long-term effects related to vaping. So speak to us on that. 
So keep in mind, vaping's been on the market for probably about 10 to 12 years now. Um, it came on as counterculture to tobacco. It was supposed to be the safe alternative. It also had a moment in time there where it was labeled as a cessation device for tobacco. So let's compare it to combustible cigarettes that we know are combustible tobacco products. When we talk about combustible products, we're talking about 4,000 chemicals, most of which we know are known carcinogens, cancer-causing. We also know they all have nicotine in them. When we talk about vaping, we're talking about 2,000 chemicals, many of which we don't even know yet. Every device can be homemade, it can have homemade juice, it depends on where the product is coming from as to what we are getting. We do know based on the testing of the vape devices that are already on the market, 99% of them have nicotine. We know nicotine is an addictive chemical. It affects the brain. We do also know that there's properties that affect the lungs, the throat, all related to nicotine. We also know that most of the vaping devices have heavy metals in them. Chromium, lead, nickel, we all know that there's health effects to all of those. All you have to do is open any EPA study to know heavy metals are bad, and we're ingesting those into our lungs and into our system. The science of what we know for these devices, especially when we're talking about youth, the brain is not fully developed until 24 or 26 years of age. You're taking an addictive chemical and you're putting it into a youth brain. There can be all kinds of lasting effects to that, as Ken mentioned, some of the academic properties. We also know that it is increasing your heart rate. It's raising your blood pressure. All of those can be lasting effects. We can also see chronic lung disease, asthma, all coming from using these vaping devices. Again, when we talk about are they safer, a safer alternative to what? Breathing clean air? No, they're not safer. Ken, from the school perspective, is vaping seen as really, if you, uh, is it a peer pressure thing? You really want to be part of the in crowd that you need to try this to be to do this? Is that part of it, or what are you seeing? Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think that there is definitely a correlation between you know peer pressure, if you will, and adolescents that are that are engaged in vaping. You know, unfortunately, that that is true. And you know when we you talk about the research of you know one in five high school students in the nation, I know that that's older, a little bit older research or a 46% increase, you know, in Union County. Neither of those is, is shocking in any way to me as a high school principal. And I would, if, if anything sh is shocking at all, it would be that it's only one in five. Um, I think that this is something that is, is very much widespread. You know, what we're trying to, there are many different pieces to this that we're trying to deconstruct and break down. It's, it's down a lot this year in, in schools. And I think that that would be, uh, very true everywhere is it you know the fact that you know we're in the middle of COVID and you know there's been a distraction away from you know vaping is it that kids are just you know not using as much we, we don't really know um, but what we do know is that anything that you know is a, an unhealthy distraction from learning and, and their absolute best self is going to harm them and so it's it's something we take very seriously. Nicole from a parent perspective speak to us. Well I was I was shocked my daughter was doing it when we caught her. I, I was devastated. And her first response was, well, my friends are doing it. Why wouldn't I? And I'm like, well, you're your own person. You've always stood up for yourself. But for that, the peer pressure was really strong. Her entire friend group and her entire friend group had never used before. They'd never even been involved in any of this. And then 
they were all home. They were all bored. They were all looking for something. And so they all go, hey, let's all just start vaping. And and they did. It was that whole group dynamic. And the whole group was doing it together. They were getting their stuff together. And she just really fell into that peer pressure role of, well, if my whole friend group's going to do it, I'm going to do it too. Now, did you observe any changes in your daughter's behavior after this occurred? She became very secretive, which my daughter's a very open kid. She would always come down in the evenings and hang out. Um, her friends always come, her friends always come to my house. They still do. But they would all go hide in a room. And, of course, I couldn't smell it, so I didn't know it was happening. They, they would hide in her room or they would go hide in, down in, downstairs where, you know, the TV and everything was. And I had no idea. Or they go on walks around the neighborhood. That was another big, we're going to go for a walk. And that was another big time when they would all, all be vaping. And one of my neighbors saw it, and that's one of the ways I found out. Ken, what about the academic performance, the engagement of the students in the school activities? Uh, did, were any changes noticed or observed um, by teens um, that had participated in vaping that you suspected were participating in vaping? Yeah, there's no question. There isn't any ambiguity that, you know, students in general, I'm generalizing, but, you know, that have been connected to vaping or any unhealthy behavior are, you know, more likely to disengage. And I can break it down to the even just a, a very simple level. If you're checking your cell phone, you know, to meet up with another student in the bathroom at a particular time, and that's coordinated in schools, you should be in class and you should be learning. And we know that that happens. We know that that happens in any school. But, you know, you could obviously scale that, you know, to a lot of different, you know, examples with, with learning and with, you know, students participating in athletics and all of the things that we know that make them healthy and productive and academically successful. Well, we could take the entire show and talk about rationale and potential effects but we want to flip the page here and really focus on effective, proactive strategies and resources to really tackle this issue. So with that said, back to you again, Nicole. Uh, you're also a social worker as well as a parent. Share with us what are some of the helpful tools, if you will, uh, that you found to be effective or made a difference? Well, definitely in the beginning, I felt very alone because I was ashamed that my child, my straight-A student, involved in everything was vaping. I was ashamed. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want anyone to find out. I was like, we will just handle this. But then I realized this whole friend group has moms too, and they don't know. I mean, we, and so I reached out to these moms and I'm like, look, we're, this is what our kids are doing. And they were, they had no idea either. We were all blindsided by it. And so we really tried to work together to foster a better environment, to not make it easy to vape to make it more complicated, to um, to definitely have an eye on the kids no matter whose house they were at. And also, you know, I really looked to the group of social workers I work with. I'm like, hey, guys, help me out. Like, what do I do? How do I approach this? And and a lot of it was born out of my daughter's anxiety. And, and so a lot of the girls, I see that with a lot of the girls. They're very high-strung, they're very anxious, and then you throw COVID in the mix and they're even more anxious. So it was really trying to get to the core of how can we help these kids with their anxiety, me as a parent and me as a social worker who works in the community. What can we do to help these kids feel more secure or have healthy coping mechanisms? So really, we, I, I talked with my colleagues, like, what are healthy coping mechanisms that I can introduce or that these kids will feel comfortable doing 
that can help us kind of stop. I wish we had a support group because I think parents, I I mean, you you don't want to be like, my kid's the one vaping. You know, you, you want to be the good parent with the good kid. And, and it's not that these kids are bad or we're bad parents. It's just something that happens. And and I wish there was, I would like to see something like that, a group where you could really connect with other parents to help. Absolutely. And you're not alone out there. And yes. in terms of relating those experiences, sharing them together and sharing what really helps in terms of communicating and, and dealing with the issue. It's a win-win for, for everybody, certainly. Sean, speak to us about early intervention strategies and the importance of that. I think we need to understand that the parent's voice is probably the most prominent in our students and our kids, and that voice from our parents needs to be heard early before these behaviors are even on the forefront of starting. So making sure when your student is in fourth and fifth grade that you're setting the ground those baseline conversations of this is my expectation, whether it's about vaping, whether it's alcohol, whether it's sex, whatever those ground rules are, start those conversations early. And it's important to hear it's a conversation. It's a two-sided, what is the student, what is the child, what is their input into what you're talking about? As a parent, I can say no, but let's have an open conversation and an open dialogue about what does no mean and how do we say no and how do we approach that conversation with our friends, just as you alluded to, Nicole, that group, that peer pressure is really, really difficult, but how are we able to have a conversation as those students to say no to our best friends um, and watch out for those behaviors. As a parent, also as you indicated, the looking for those small telltale signs, whether it's I'm going to the bathroom more frequently than I ever did, hey, guess what? I'm going to the bathroom or I'm going to my room because I need a hit of the vaping pen. I'm walking around the block more than I ever did. Hey, the dog has had 10 walks today. Why? There's something else going on there. So just being attuned to those changes in routine. I would also say that nicotine piece is huge. Looking for some of those telltale signs of addiction from that nicotine. Are they becoming more irritable? If they're having to spend more than two hours with the family, are you seeing ebbs and flows of those behaviors where there, you actually may see hand tremor shakes? You may see, I got to move, I got to get up, I ask a simple question and I'm biting your head off. Those are all nicotine withdrawal symptoms that we need to be aware of. Ken, I know the Marysville Exempted School Village District is huge, and I do mean huge, in terms of community collaboration uh, and working with many different organizations on issues such as this. Talk to us about that. Well, I, I appreciate hearing you, you say that. Um, we, we've worked at it, and we want to we wanna be better. I mean, quite frankly, we, we want to grow in that area. The Union County Drug-Free Coalition has certainly been a big part in many different community you know, agencies. We've tried to partner on this, and you know, a lot of, of what we do is we, you know, we look at kind of view ourselves as the conduit you know, to information and to education. And I think on a proactive level, getting education to families is a, is a big challenge and, and to students. And you know, the way that we partner is important. So our district has done a lot in terms of communication. Our principals have done a lot communicating with families you know, on the front end and then also, unfortunately, reactively. We've done flyers, um, we reinforce hotlines. We do a lot of things around mental health that do tie into this conversation. And um, you know, I know in our building, and I, I believe this is true in most buildings, when a student 
has an encounter with vaping or with, um, it could be drugs or alcohol. We, we basically have a diversion program where we reduce discipline. And um, in this case, they work directly with um, either a principal in the building or our school resource officer, Officer Amy Finley, on education and trying to build a relationship because the relationship combined with the education is the most powerful way to move people and to grow them. And um, that's what we found the most success in. But as I'm hearing, you know, definitely Nicole talk, and I appreciate her courage as a parent, I wonder if we can do more within our school district to be a, a vessel or conduit to connect families that feel like they're kind of the only ones and in a safe, open space, um, be able to get them to a place where they can help each other and we can help them better. What sort of feedback have you received as a result of these efforts? Well, it, it's mixed, you know, when you put posters up in a, in a school, um, you know, inevitably, and it doesn't matter the title. Um, in a high school in particular, some students will read them, some will not. Some will take them to heart, some will make fun of them. And, you know, that's just, that's high school students, and it probably always has been that way. But we've definitely, you know, I, I, know, that, I know that families are, are very appreciative. You know, they don't want to fight battles like this alone. And they realize that, you know, we, we are here to help them. We're here to partner with them. And if, if we're functioning you know, at the highest level that we can as a school district. That's exactly what we are for families, as a partner with them for kids. Sean, there's a lot of resources out there. Put out a few that would relate to uh, parent guardians, if you would, and, and maybe some for teens. So I would start first and foremost with uh, local resources. The Drug-Free Coalition itself has some excellent resources available online through their website. The real cost is uh, federally marketed campaign through the FDA and the CDC. It really is more targeted to the younger generation itself, but even for parents to take a look at the information that's out there, it's basically the counterculture. So taking a look at the real cost and those ads that are there provides some good messaging to talk to our students about, which is good. American Lung Association has also been always on the forefront of anything that's related to tobacco and nicotine use. And then Tobacco Free Kids also has some really good resources out there for parents. When it comes to resources for teens, there are some excellent texting and smartphone apps. You can go to Quit Start, um, which is an app that actually has full counseling available through a smartphone. You can also text QUIT to 47848 and it'll access that app as well. I was actually playing around on smokefree.gov this morning, which actually has platforms for veterans, teens, parents, and I was on the teen site, and after being on there for longer than three minutes, a pop-up ad popped up and said, would you like to speak with an online counselor about uh, quitting? So that has online resources available. And then we also go back to the standard, the 1-800-QUIT-NOW. We have that in the state of Ohio. It's been around since 2006. It's through the National Jewish Medical Research Center out in Colorado, and it actually has counselors that are designed for teens to talk about vaping and what is facing teens and that need to quit for that age group. Um, the biggest thing, too, is building that support system, um, making sure that there's a parent or another friend who is not using that you can talk to, a teacher in the school, a principal, but forming that support network around you so that if there's a possibility of relapse, they can talk to you. 
Lots of resources out there, and I'm sure that Nancy Beals, the coordinator for the Union County Drug-Free Coalition, will be posting several of those resources on the Union County Drug-Free Coalition's Facebook page. Well, as we wind down now, I'd like each of you to put out there, if you will, a gem, a, a key takeaway message that you would like to leave with all of the listeners. So, Ken, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Well, um, this is big business, and that would be a, a thing that I would I would put out there. Students... You know, teens buy um, vape jewel online and, you know, the age verification, you know, piece involved in that has many, many gaps and kids are very, very smart and they're savvy. And, you know, I, I think that they target our students very well. I mean, the marketing behind this is brilliant. It's captivating. And, and it's also the other thing I would add, if I'm able to add another one, is that don't assume that it's just nicotine. You know, um, in my previous school, that was when I was a principal um, in Columbus area at Grandview Heights High School, um, we got to a place, and I do think it hit, you know, Franklin County, this uh, phenomenon, if you will, a little bit earlier than it hit Union County, at least in full force. But we got to the place where we treated vape as if it were, it were laced with THC every time. And, you know, there are concerns about fentanyl. There are a lot of pieces that, that tie into this. So don't think that this is just another form of smoking. It really isn't. And don't think that marketing and the businesses aren't targeting your child. It's happening. Nicole. I also wanted to say, don't think that your child is exempt. My daughter is a straight-A student. She's on many teams. She's involved in many clubs, even in leadership. I was ne- I was shocked. I, was, I never suspected that that would be my daughter. And... Um, she has a counselor now and she's working through her anxiety issues and making better choices but please just if you see your child as a high achiever don't think that this is beyond them or that it does not relate to them it's not just all the misguided children there are very much very wonderful children in all levels engaged in this and all kids are wonderful but don't think that your child is exempt just for the for what you see them for there are many 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 factors to this that play into that so sean share a gem with us i'm actually going to steal gems from both ken and nicole um, and hone in on some of those things utilize the resources i I know the our audience is parents so to to take what nicole said you're not alone i can guarantee based on the data that we're seeing kids are not vaping by themselves they're not doing as a solo activity. There is a friend that they are talking to. They are getting the device from someone. Talk to other parents. Talk to that support group that is around your student. Talk to the school so that they're aware of what is going on as well. As Ken put it, this is big tobacco, big marketing, targeting our kids. We're talking about addiction. We're talking about all of these things that we know based on science and marketing. It's, it's a heavy machine that is pushing towards our kids. Be open-minded, have those conversations, and know that you're not in it alone at all. Well, I can't thank all of you enough for your time today and really sharing value-added information uh, again. And kudos to all of you for your outstanding leadership and making a positive difference as we work together to address this serious health issue. For more information on local drug resources, you can reach Nancy Beals, coordinator of the Union County Drug Fee Coalition, Monday through Friday at nancy at mhrbuc.org. That's nancy at mhrbuc.org. And be sure to check out their website, 
which is ucdrugfree.org, and you can find them on Facebook. Again, the website is ucdrugfree.org. Watch for details on our very next podcast on June the 23rd. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe.